lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, verses 41 through 52. Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. After the festival was over, they were returning home, but the boy stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. Supposing that he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed on for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and putting questions to them. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, Child, why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Jesus replied, Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he said to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor with God and with people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We celebrated just Thursday night, Friday night, just Friday night, the birth of the baby Jesus. And as any of you know who have had children or been around children, babies don't stay babies long. And there's not really much said in the Bible about the passage of Jesus from the time he was an infant until the time he was an adult man of 30 years old or so. There's just not a lot written except this one story. This one story in Luke of Jesus when he was 12 years old is the only reliable story we have of Jesus as a young person. There are other stories out there. There are gospel writings that we don't accept as being authoritative that have stories of Jesus as a young person. And in fact, Jesus, as a young person in these stories, part of why they got rejected from being as a part of our Bible, is that they've got Jesus featuring some pretty bad behavior. He, uh, the, the other kids are teasing him in one story, and he, he, turns, um, he turns them all into toads or, or some, frogs or something, and you know, does, uses his power for... for at least mean purposes. I hesitate to say evil purposes, but mean purposes, petty purposes. And the church fathers decided pretty early on that those stories were not the real Jesus. And that's why we don't have many stories of Jesus in our Bible. We just have this one. But in this story, Jesus is growing up. He's 12 years old. And 12-year-olds, one of the tasks when you start entering your teen years as you know from growing up yourself, and um, some of you who have raised children have, have found this out, that one of their tasks is to separate from mom and dad, to start to forge their own identities. And in her best-selling book called Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott writes about her seven-year-old son, Sam. 
At seven, he is separating from me like mad and has made it clear that I need to give him a bit more room. I'm not even allowed to tell him that I love him these days. He is quite firm on this. You tell me you love me all the time, he explained recently, and I don't want you to anymore. At all, I said. I just want you to tell me that you like me. I said I would really try. That night when I was tucking him in, I said, good night, honey. I really like you a lot. There was silence in the dark. And then he said, I like you too, Mom. It's hard to be the parent of a seven-year-old, as Anne Lavotte is quick to point out. <coughs> Nor was it easy to be the parent of a 12-year-old boy who was no ordinary 12-year-old boy. Jesus goes with his parents to Jerusalem for the Passover. And Luke is clear that this is, he, he, Mary and Joseph were doing their best to raise him right. They went to the temple for the major observances. They were teaching him about God, about what it meant to follow God. They were doing all the right things. And this time, when they take Jesus for Passover, they lose him. Jesus doesn't actually get lost. You, you notice it in the way that Jesus explains it. Jesus is not lost. His parents just don't know where he is. Jesus knows exactly where he is and what he's doing. When you traveled in those days, you tended to try to travel, if you could, in a big group. Because there were robbers on the road. It wasn't, travel wasn't always safe. So you traveled because there's safety in numbers. You traveled with a group. So it wasn't just the family of three going to the temple. Or if Jesus had siblings by then, uh, we don't know that either. But it wasn't just a small family unit traveling. It was a larger group of extended family and friends who were tra all traveling together. And so Mary and Joseph realized they hadn't seen Jesus in a while, but they're not too worried because there are a lot of people with them. And Jesus has probably just gotten busy talking to one of his cousins or, you know, boys will be boys. He's probably just, you know, off doing something. He'll, he'll be right back. They go a full day asking about Jesus, but not too worried, continuing to journey home to Nazareth. They realize when they get to the end of that day, nobody has seen Jesus. Pick up, turn around, back to Jerusalem. A full day's travel and three days of searching the city. For Mary, those three days had to have been the longest of her life to that point. It would probably only be exceeded by the three days that Jesus was in the tomb. Three days they look for him. It finally occurs to somebody to try the temple. And they go in the temple, and there is young Jesus, sitting with the rabbis, teaching and being taught by the rabbis. Now Mary does, if you've ever lost a child, you understand what Mary is going through. Because you have two, a child that's been lost and found, you have two emotions at the exact same time. You want to love on them with everything you got, and you want to wring their neck with everything you got. And so Mary goes up to Jesus and says, what, what are you doing? Didn't you know we were worried about you? What's the matter with you? We've been searching all over for you. How could you do this to us? And Jesus, 
as only a 12-year-old can, looks at her and says, didn't you know where to find me? Didn't you know I'd have to be in my father's house? It is probably the first pang to Mary's heart that this boy is not just Mary's boy, but this boy belongs to God and belongs to God first. And there's a sense in which that's true for all of us with our children. None of our children ultimately belong to us. They're God's children. And we have them for a while, and we do our best to raise them upright. But eventually we've got to turn them over to God. And let God take them the rest of the way. And that's a hard thing to do. And, and for some of us, it doesn't happen until a little bit later. For Mary, it was at 12. Jesus says, look, I was about my father's business. You know where I was. You know where I was. He was the only place he could be. He was the only place he needed to be. He was in his father's house. When Simeon, the prophet Simeon, saw Jesus in the temple when he was just days old, when his mother brought and Joseph brought him to the temple to be cleaned, Simeon warns Mary that Jesus is meant for the rising and falling of many and that a sword would pierce her heart too. And I can't help but think that this is the first piercing. It's not the worst one. Watching her son being crucified is obviously going to be far worse than losing him for three or four days in Jerusalem. But I can't help but think that that sense of, I've got to be about God's business. I don't belong to you. You've got to let me do what I need to do. Wasn't the first sword piercing Mary's heart. Luke talks a lot about Mary about Mary um, pondering things in her heart. We get that in the birth story, too. That Mary sees the shepherds, and the shepherds come, and she interacts with them, and, and she ponders what they have said about Jesus being the Messiah in her heart. That there seems to be, I, I don't know what it is about Christmas music that brings out the best and worst in people, but the last couple years on Facebook, there have been these huge brouhaha's over uh, Christmas music songs. Last year, the big deal was Baby It's Cold Outside, and whether or not that was an appropriate song in this day and age, and, and y'all can have your opinions on that one, that's not what I'm going after, but the one this year is the one I want to talk about. This year, they went after Mary Did You Know? And there were people saying it's mansplaining. It's, you know, that Mary, you know, Mary, did you know that, well, of course she knew. Y'all, number one, it's a song, it's a rhetorical question. You can either enjoy the song or not enjoy the song. But that, putting, setting that aside, the point of did Mary know, my vote is not entirely. Yes, the angel appeared to her. Yes, she knew she had gotten pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But did she really understand what all of this was going to mean? I don't see any way she could have. Not because she was a peasant, not because she was unintelligent, but because it was bigger than anything that anybody could understand. And I imagine that she kind of learned who Jesus was in some sense, along with the rest of us. She took these hints 
of who Jesus was going to be and hid him in her heart. And you can imagine maybe that she would ponder them some nights when she was having trouble sleeping and maybe wonder what it all meant and how was all of this going to happen? How was Jesus going to save us? What was going to be required of him? What was going to be required of her? It can't have been an easy road for her as his parent. And we don't know much about Joseph and his role as Jesus' earthly father. We have some hints from his behavior when Mary turns up pregnant, though, about the fact that this was a decent man who was going to do his best to raise Jesus well. The fact that Joseph had the opportunity to have Mary executed. That was the punishment for adultery. For if you were, if you were betrothed, the punishment was adultery. Uh, the punishment was stoning for adultery. And so Mary could have been stoned to death. Joseph would have been within his rights. Nobody would have asked any questions. And he didn't. He took Mary as his wife. He took care of Jesus. He and Mary made sure Jesus was, um, was raised right. And um, I want to read a, a quote that I came across this week that I thought was really a, a helpful way of looking at this. In light of the highly unusual circumstances surrounding his conception, the birthing and rearing of Jesus of Nazareth was indeed a profound act of faith. A young woman and various members of her family were asked to demonstrate a remarkable level of faith in themselves, in the future of all humanity, and ultimately in God, when she became pregnant prior to her marriage. In faith, as this mother gazed at her child in the manger, her personal hopes and dreams for her son were tempered by her knowledge that this child would indeed redeem the past and communicate God's vision for the future. This child's character would develop in a faithful home. From his parents and other members of his family, this child would learn about his rich family and religious heritage. Eventually, this child would grow and mature to the point that he would ask deep questions. Questions that would cause religious leaders and even his mother to reflect on life and faith in fresh ways. It took Mary and Joseph a lot of faith to raise Jesus. And you can have the sense that they knew they couldn't do it all on their own. That they made sure that God was part of the package. God was part of their home. They took Jesus to the appropriate festivals at the temple. They taught him about God. They taught him about his heritage. And that for us, I think, is, is kind of our, um, our challenge to ourselves this week. Is that... Jesus knew that he belonged in his father's house. And his mother kept all of the stories about Jesus in her heart and pondered them. And I think those two things are, are, are where we need to find ourselves. We need to keep the stories of God in our heart. The stories of faith. Stories from the Bible that are important. And stories, too, that we hear told of what God has done, like the, um, the denim jacket that showed up. I, I had one of those instances two years ago. 
two years ago in April, the Trinity Church was, their women's group was doing their big auction. They do a silent auction once a year when we're not in the pandemic. And um, you, you've been on gift bags. You don't know what's in the bag. Um, and you, you make your bid and, and you, know, you, you get whatever, whoever wins gets whatever's in the bag. And so I would participate and I try to you know, give a little money to the church that way. And I bid on a, a, a bag that had a Christmas tree. I mean full-size Christmas tree. Fully lit, very nice tree. I was married, and we had just bought a Christmas tree a year or two previous. I thought, man, this is not going to set well. <laughs> we do not need one more thing to put in storage. This is not going to be a good thing. So I immediately gave the tree back to the church and said, look, y'all either auction it again next year or use it to decorate it, but I can't take it. May rolls around, and my husband at the time asks for a divorce. July rolls around and I move out of the parsonage. November rolls around and Christmas is coming. And one thing that the girls had made, made clear that year was they expected both houses to be properly decorated for Christmas. And it dawns on me, I'm going to need a Christmas tree. And I thought about the tree at the church. I'm like, are they going to give me that back if I ask for it, if I ask nicely? <laughs> And so I did ask nicely if I could please have the tree back, and I apologize for the inconvenience. And uh, that, that has become, that, that is the Christmas tree that I didn't know that I needed. God knew I was going to need a Christmas tree. I did not know I was going to need a Christmas tree. But God had it under control. And so there's stories like that that think, you know, little God winks in our lives where we see God act and, and we ponder those in our hearts. And if we'll do those things, if we'll hold those things close in our hearts, and if we'll go and spend time in our Father's house, we have the opportunity to live a really wonderful life. A life of faith filled with hope and joy and peace. So may you go out today from your Father's house, ready to come back again next week, and pondering in your heart all that you have seen and heard God do both here and throughout your life. Amen.